Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Hey Amen. Let's give the band just another hand. What an amazing job that, uh, that they do. And I'm always just encouraged by the, by the songs, the, the words, the, uh, just the way that uh, so many things are put together to uh, lift high the name of Jesus and to remind us of all that has been accomplished for us through the cross of Christ. Uh, thank you so much for being here this morning. If you're a guest with us, we are grateful for your presence. We'd love for you to uh, take just a moment and uh, you'll see some, some welcome cards uh, just kind of spread out uh, in the seats in front of you or around you. We'd love for you to take a moment and just let us know uh, of your time with us today and just to connect. Uh, my name's Jason. I'm one of the pastors here and just grateful uh, to get to be part of what God is doing. Uh, this morning we worship and know that at the uh, time that we're worshiping here that there is a mission team that uh, has been worshiping in San Pedro Sula, Honduras, and uh, just hearing great things from what God is, is doing there and just expectant of uh, just their time there. I encourage you just to continue to pray uh, for them uh, this week. Uh, if you want to take your copy of God's Word, we're going to be in Hebrews uh, today, Hebrews chapter 10. And as a church, we have been walking through this grand narrative of Scripture since January. And we are barreling in toward uh, the, the, the time that we'll land in uh, Revelation and where we'll finish with this reminder uh, and just this beautiful picture that God has made all things new. And in this series that we are in, we are finishing that journey. And so we encourage you, if you're uh, just jumping in with us, uh, we're going to start First Timothy, uh, I believe, in the morning. And so uh, there's copies of that around. You'll see the, the place that we're in on the disciple page. And, and I'm preaching kind of through that as we go. And so today, uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Now, some of you are wondering why I got my little badge on today. And I, I like object lessons. I like things about it. And this is the uh, badge that uh, there was a little season where our local hospital had reached out uh, to us and asked if we would be willing, uh, myself and, and, and some of our staff, and also uh, your deacon of the week this week, standing in the back, Bruce Harwood, uh, if we'd be willing to be chaplains for them and kind of serve in some emergency capacity. They should have clapped when I said Bruce. It would have been awesome right there because he is a man. And so, and so they asked if we uh, would consider being chaplains and going in uh, some crisis situations and different things. And we said, of course. And when we did, we went through some training. And the best part of all of it is like at the end of that, they gave us this badge and this little cord thing. And, and we had the best time with it because all of a sudden, uh, it was kind of crazy. We had access, right? Like, like all these doors and these things that were around like before where you had to like convince them. You're like, I'm a pastor. And they're like, no, I knew you. Like, you're not. Yeah, no, I really am. God saved me. It's, I'm serious. It's kind of it's true. I am. And then, and then they gave us the badge, and we could just, like, walk up and hit the thing, and the door would open. It was awesome, right? We had access. We loved that. Like, Bruce and I, he, he would ride with me to Asheville or to different places, and we'd be cruising by, and, like, we just want to see, like, how well it works. So you'd be, like, cruising by, and here's, like, the employee break room, and we'd be like, 
We're like, yes, like we can get everywhere. This is awesome. Now, Bruce and I, we find ourselves in some, some interesting times. And, and sometimes, I don't know if you're just one of those people that just, it seems like you're always in the wrong place for weird stuff to happen. Well, that's us. And so here, here, here's a little picture of us. This was, this was actually, this has been going on for a long time. This is 2013. Uh, we were visiting. Now, you might see the sweet tea and the caution stuff and all the things that are there. You might think that somehow we had something to do with that. But we really didn't. There, there was literally a, a purse that fell. Nobody was around it. This purse falls, hits the sweet tea. It's spread out everywhere. Now, the nurses and all the people, they're, they're looking at us, you know, and they think we've been in. We're like, we had nothing to do with it. And they're like, yeah, sure. And, and it's those moments, right, where we're like putting these in our pocket. We're like... Used to, they, yeah, you just had one side, and so when we'd get in trouble, I'd, you could just turn it around. Now they put it on both sides probably because of that. So, so that was kind of where we were at. Now, sometimes we'd get in uh, just these little, little, little moments like that and maybe get in a little bit of trouble. We'd try to bring some humor and some fun uh, to the environment. Well, one day, uh, there was a lady who was having a surgery, and she was pretty anxious about the surgery. And so I talked to her the day before, and I said, hey, listen, we, we'll, we'll come pray, pray with you. And she said, well, it's going to be early. Um, you know, and so Bruce and I, we leave at like three something in the morning. We get to Mission Hospital and we can't find anybody in, in the heart tower. Like we can't find anybody anywhere. And we're like, I've already committed. I'm like, man, I'm going to be there early before you go into surgery. Like I, I'm, I'm going to pray with you. We're going to, we're going to ask the Lord to give you peace. And she's expecting that. And I'm like, I've got to get there. And I'm thinking, well, I can't find anybody, but there's good news because I have access. <laughs> and I'm like, and so Bruce and I, we're on an adventure, right? And so uh, there, there's this one place we didn't quite have access to, and it was this one elevator, and, and, and there, we were there, and all of a sudden some people like us with badges came in, and, and we're like, hey, there are people, and they're getting on that elevator. And so, what, what's the, I mean, we're pretty smart people, so we just like, let's get on the elevator. And so we hop on, and we ride up the elevator, and we're going to go hunt this lady so we can pray with her. And we come out, and then all of a sudden, after we went through the next door, we realized that we we're in a place that we had no business being in, right? We walk in, and, and, and again, we've got our little badges on, all those things are in. Everybody's scrubbed down. Everybody's suited up. Everybody is in there. And when we walk in, like, we can tell pretty quickly they are not amused by the fact that we're in there. And they look at us, and they say, what are you doing? And we're like, well, we're, um, we're trying to look like we're supposed to be there, you know. And so we tell them what's going on. They kind of move us around. We figured out that we had gotten in a place that we uh, didn't belong, right? And so sometimes when we think about access, uh, we can think about a lot of different things. But what I want to talk to you about today in this thought of Jesus making all things new I want to talk to you about access and access that we've been granted. Uh, when we read the book of Hebrews, uh, we read a book, and, and there may be no greater book in the New Testament that connects uh, really the Old Testament story. And, and what we find is that this letter is written to some, some, uh, some Jewish Christians, right? And they're people who have found themselves in the midst of difficulty. They found themselves in the midst of a place where they're, uh, they're considering this, this pressure, right, that they're facing to turn back. They're facing opposition. And the message of the book of Hebrews is to keep on, right, that Jesus is greater and that his sacrifice is greater that he is better, we, we see as the book starts out that Jesus is better than the angels, that he is better than Moses, that he is better uh, than the law, that he is better than everything, that he is greater and that following him is worth everything. And when we worship this Christmas season, we are reminded that through the work of the cross, Jesus has made all things new. And the book of Hebrews is pointing to that, right? As we read through the book of Hebrews,
series, it starts out in Hebrews chapter 1, and there's these first three verses that give maybe the most powerful Christology piece of who Jesus is. And we read those verses, we read uh, through these first nine, ten chapters, and we are reminded of the greatness of our Savior, of his superiority, and of what he has done on the cross. And then we land in Hebrews chapter 10, and, and, and the writer of Hebrews, now there's some question about who that is, right? We, we don't know who the author of Hebrews is. There's different uh, thoughts about that. When you look at the Greek and the way that it's worded, there's people that think uh, that Luke may have written that. There's some similarities in uh, the style of writing and the things that are there. Some people think it was Apollos that wrote it. Uh, there's, there's different people that have different opinions on those type things, but we really just don't know who this letter uh, was, was written by. We know that he starts out, and, and, and it's like he did, he's, he's like he's saying, it's really not uh, about me. It's really not about who wrote this letter. It's really not about any of that. It is about our great God. And that's how it starts out. He said, God, who in times of old, he spoke in, uh, through the prophets in uh, many times and in many ways. But he says in these last days. And I want to remind you that that's where we gather today in the midst of those last days, right? Since Jesus has come on the scene. And he said in these last days that God has spoken to us through his son, right? And we recognize that his son, that Jesus is the creator and sustainer of all things. And he's walked through all that Jesus has accomplished on the cross. And he gets to this place in Hebrews chapter 10 where we're going to be today. And he says, because of who Jesus is and in light of all he's done, this is how you are to live. And this is how you are to worship in light of the access that's been granted to you. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. Uh, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of the word of God uh, this morning? Hebrews uh, chapter 10, beginning in verse 19, and we will close uh, in verse 25 uh, this morning. Scripture says this, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful. God, we're thankful that we have assembled this morning as your people. God, as your called out ones, God, as, as your church, Father. And we, we're grateful, Lord, for the work of Christ that has uh, given us access, Lord, to the very throne room of heaven. God, that we uh, have given, given access to a place that we don't deserve and that we could never get on our own. God, we thank you for the shed blood of Christ. And we pray this morning, Lord, that if there's anyone here that has never seen uh, the work of Christ on the cross, the atoning work, God, for, uh, and seen the person of Christ for who he is, that this morning, Lord, in the power of your spirit, that you would convict hearts, that you would draw to repentance, Lord, that you would allow us to see the greatness and the majesty of our Savior, the work that he has done in our place through the cross of Christ, and that we might respond in repentance and surrender. Father, we pray that we would all be encouraged. Lord, that we would all be challenged. Lord, to view our worship, to view those times that we gather in corporate worship. Lord, that we would view those different, maybe than ever before. 
that we would see the access that's been granted and the responsibility that comes with it. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, such an incredible passage, right? And we, we think about that, uh, that thought, right? That access has been granted. Look back at, at verse 19. There's this picture, right? And we, when we see the word therefore, we, we recognize, that, hey, we're looking back. We're seeing what it's there for. And we recognize in, all that, in light of all Christ has done, in light of who he is, therefore, brethren. Now, uh, it's this beautiful picture that as followers of Jesus Christ, that we are family together. So we read the word brethren. You could take that as brothers and sisters, right? We are family together in Christ. And he says, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Now, we want to pause just a second here. Now, the, the, the folks that were hearing this, this would have been very, very familiar language, right? And, and he's using this picture of the tabernacle. He's using uh, this, this picture of uh, of the Israelites in the old days. And if you'd been an Israelite uh, in, in the old days and you had lived in Jerusalem, you would have immediately uh, gone, your mind would have gone to the temple, right? To the, uh, to the temple in the center of the city. And in those moments, uh, worship was much different. Like if that was what you were thinking about, worship was very, very different. In those moments, right, you would come in and there would be uh, no pews and there would be no chairs and there would be and there would be only access to certain places, right? There was these outer courts and inner courts and these walls of separation. There was these picture, right, of places that you would go. And instead of uh, having a, a preacher or a pastor, there would have been a, a priest. And this priest would have placed an animal uh, on an altar and he would sacrifice it and offer it to God. And, and, and we would know that once a year, right, we read about uh, this, this time Right, this once a year time where the high priest would go into the very holies of holies, that they would go in uh, to the innermost sanctuary and that they would take the blood of a lamb and they would sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. Now, what we would recognize and what they would hear in this is that day after day, sacrifices would be made, that year after year, there would be this sacrifice made by the high priest. And, and, and what we would, uh, we would know, right, is that when the, this high priest would go in, that he would go in to the holies of holies. And in that place, uh, there would be uh, the Ark of the Covenant, right? And there would be this place that, that, that they would go into and they would go reverently and awestruck. And, th and there was this, uh, this chest that was made of acacia wood, the scripture would say. Let, let's, let's turn back uh, to chapter 9 for just a second. Let's look at, at chapter 9, verse 4. Uh, you won't have it on the screen, but uh, but here's what you would see in there. Uh, behind the second veil, right, in, in verse 3, there was a tabernacle which is called the Holies of Holies, having a golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden jar holding the manna and Aaron's rod which budded and the tables of the covenant. And so inside uh, the Holies of Holies, there's this Ark, and inside uh, they would find this golden pot of manna. And, and you remember in, in the Old Testament, God had provided this bread-like food uh, Food for the Israelites, and they uh, had grumbled during their wanderings in the wilderness. And it was this bread from heaven. God continued to sustain them. He continued to provide uh, for them this food daily and faithfully. But what we find is that they complained and they wanted something else. Right in the midst of all God's provision, it was this uncomfortable reminder. Right when they would look in there, it was this uncomfortable reminder of despite all that God had provided for them, it, it, that they had rejected His provision. It was this kind of reminder. It was a reminder 
reminder of their unfaithfulness, but it was a reminder of the faithfulness of God. In, in there, uh, Aaron's staff that was budded, and it was a reminder uh, that, that in the midst of this, that the people out of jealousy, that they had rebelled against Aaron as their high priest. It, it was this reminder that, that in uh, those moments, right, God had, uh, in order to resolve this dispute, that he had commanded uh, the people to take 12 sticks, and he'd written the names of the leaders uh, of each tribe and placed them before the ark overnight. And, and the next day, right, Aaron's rod from the house of Levi, right, from uh, here had budded with blossoms and budded with almonds, and it was God's choice uh, of Aaron's household as, the, as this uh, priestly line. And so God had told Moses, he said, listen, put the staff of Aaron before the testimony, that's in number 17, to be kept as a sign. Now, I want to remind you, it was the same kind of sign. It was a sign for the rebels. That's what the scripture would tell us. It was a reminder uh, of this, and it was a reminder to be kept as a sign that they might end their grumblings, right, and that they uh, would see that right in there there's the ten commandments right and we recognize those we remember those and we reminded by the law that God loves justice and in the midst of the holies of holies there's this reminder that God loves justice but on top there's something beautiful and there's this reminder that there is mercy and on the top of uh, the ark of the covenant was the mercy seat and so here it is and then you wonder why is it called the mercy seat and I'm reminded that when we read the scriptures we recognize that our sin demands punishment the law, the tablets, the standard of right and wrong. It shows us that we are sinners. It shows us our need for a Savior. And what we see in the holies of holies is that, that here's this law, that it's condemning us, that it's under the mercy seat condemning us. And once a year, the high priest would go in and, and sin demanded punishment because God is just. And in Leviticus 16, we would see that this high priest, that he would take blood and that he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat, right? The shed blood blood of an innocent lamb, a substitutionary sacrifice that was sprinkled on the mercy seat. And God would look on that slain lamb. God would look on the blood of this lamb as the substitute for all of the sinners that were trusting in the sacrifice. And for another year, what we would see is that mercy prevailed. For another year, they didn't get what they deserved. For another year, that innocent lamb got what they deserved. And in the New Testament, the scripture says that Jesus took on flesh. John chapter 1, that, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus takes on flesh and it is mercy. In his humanity, he faced every temptation. He experienced all those things. But he didn't reject God's right standard of the law. He, he kept the law. He, he, he lived a sinless life. And he obeyed God's law perfectly. This is our spotless substitutionary, atoning sacrifice. He is our intercessor and on the cross, he paid for my sin. On the cross, he paid for your sin. And it is his sacrifice that we see plainly and so clearly in the book of Hebrews that it, it instituted a, a new covenant that was not based on the law. And we read in the scripture that, that when that sacrifice was complete, that Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father because it is finished once and for all, right? We remember that the sacrifices were continual day by day. And yesterday's sacrifice was not enough for today. That, that, that this year's sacrifice was not enough uh, for next year. Right? That, that, but what we see through the shed blood of Christ is that access has been forever granted through him. That it is paid in full. That sacrifice is complete. And when we sing that song, right, come all 
ye unfaithful. I want to remind you this morning that just as those things reminded the Israelites of their unfaithfulness, of their, of their complaining and their provision and of all those things, when we look to the cross of Christ, we are reminded that Christmas really is about this, this access that's been granted to the unfaithful, to those that didn't deserve it through the shed blood of Christ. Look at verse 20. He says that, that through, he says, listen, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, verse 19, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Listen, through the veil in the, in the tabernacle and in the temple, there was a veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place. And when Jesus died on the cross, if you remember, uh, th- there was this beautiful thing that took place. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. This veil that was torn and this veil had separated the common people. This veil had separated the common people from access to the holies of holies before Right? The only way there was access was through the great high priest. The only way was through the high priest, not the great high priest, but, but through the high priest. And he would go behind the, the curtain once a year, and he, he would go in, and, and in this reverent fear and, and trepidation, right? he would walk in, and, and he would go through these moments. But now, through the blood of Christ, there is permanent access through his flesh, through his torn body, through his blood. There is permanent access that we have. Those who are in Christ have to the very holies of holies. A new and living way. And what we see in this passage, because access has been granted, because access has been granted, the way that we worship should be an abandonment. The way that we worship should be different. Look at verse 21. He said, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God. When we read this over the house of God, it's over all the people of God. So we've been given access through this new and living way, through the, the, the shed blood of Christ, through the tearing of his flesh. And since we have a great high priest, so it says, hey, listen, because access has been granted, because of the sacrifice of Christ, since we have access, the commands that follow, this is how you are to live. This is the response in light of that. Look in verse 22, and, and we're going to see, I, I've heard, uh, I'm not actually seeing the sermon, but Spurgeon would, would uh, when he would write sermons, he would call these, uh, these points in his sermon or these big uh, sections of his sermon the, the heads of his sermon. And it's my understanding that when he preached on this passage that the title of his sermon was Three Heads of Lettuce. Three Heads of Lettuce. Let's look at the first lettuce, right? Verse 20. Two, Scripture says this, Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The first thing I want to encourage you to do this morning is to hold dear, to let us hold dear. When we think about holding something dear, there's a, a treasuring of that. There's a, a, a high value that we have. And when we think about the access that we have to the very throne room of heaven, it is my hope that we would hold dear this access. And so what we read in this passage is that we are to draw near, that we are to come close. And the wording is the wording of this uh, calling to a, a idea of approaching uh, the very throne of heaven, approaching the presence of God. It, it is this sense of us drawing near. And in the Greek, it, it's in the present tense. It gives us this picture of not just occasionally doing that, but this continual approach, this continual drawing near, this continual repeated drawing near. We have access 
And somehow in the midst of our world, I'm convinced that, that so much in my life, and, and on, on Saturday morning, I, my, I'd planned to preach in Hebrews 1 and preach in the first three verses, and I'd finished uh, really on Friday just the, the whole structure of that sermon as I was listening to the songs that would be sung today, and I was praying about this sermon. And I began to just think about all that God had accomplished, and I was thinking about, oh, come all ye unfaithful, and I'm thinking, God, you've allowed me access to the very throne room of heaven. And how many times I've taken that for granted. How many times, you know, I, I joined the fitness center a few years back and it was an interesting thing. They gave me a little card. It was kind of like my little badge thing. I got admission and you could walk in there anytime, right? You swipe the door thing or let it scan and 24 hours a day, man, you had access to the fitness center. But what I figured out is that I carried that thing in my pocket a good bit of the time. And it didn't benefit me for nothing. I had access, but I didn't take advantage of it, and I didn't experience the blessings of that. As I was listening to that just beautiful song, Oh, Come, All Ye Unfaithful, I said, God, how could I take for granted all that has been provided to me in the cross? And so my hope is that we would hold dear the access that we have to the very throne room of heaven. And in light of all that Jesus has done, he's speaking of our worship here. And we can I remind you that we gather every week. And when we gather in these moments, we are reminded, we gather to be reminded of the greatness of our God. And everything that we sing and everything that we do, we hold to the word of God. The words that we sing, the, the, the way that we engage. Listen, we come to be reminded of the greatness of God. And if you look at the language in this, in the three heads of lettuce, right, there's a corporate look to all that. There's a corporate way that he is talking. And, and, and here he says, let us together, let us come, let us come and, and access the very throne room of heaven. Let us come and worship to our great God. And, and he says, let us come with a sincere heart. Can I remind you that not only do we come uh, we have this access, but we come clean. We come with a sincere heart, knowing that we have, we're approaching the very God of heaven. And we learn about him, and, and the greater God is, the greater that we see him, right? The, the, the more humbly that we approach those moments, the more we learn about him, right? When we learn about theology and about who God is, it better not give us a big head. It better give us a, 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 a humbleness and a right heart before God, because the greater he is, the smaller we are. And we come with a sincere heart. We come with full assurance of faith, we come knowing that we belong there, not because of anything we've done. That's what's so overwhelming to me as I was listening to, oh, come on, you unfaithful. I belong. I am able. I go to the very throne room of heaven. God has given me access to that. And when I come in there, I come with full assurance of faith. I come boldly, the scripture says, before the throne room of heaven. And I come with full assurance of faith, not because of my faithfulness. I come unfaithful, but I come knowing that my God is faithful. I come through the righteousness of Christ. This is the blessing, right? He says, listen, verse 23, not only uh, like, like we come, right? Let us, let us go, right? Let us, let us remind of that. Let us hold dear that access, but also let us hold on. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, without wavering. Some of the greatest moments of worship for me this year, just in full transparency, uh, many times, and, and, and Jenny's in, in kids' church this morning. I saw uh, just a great group uh, serving there, and, and, and uh, Kevin and Jenny Pitts, many of you know, and, and have kind of walked with them through uh, the, the birth and loss of, 
their son Caleb. And, and when they found out that um, the diagnosis with Caleb was something that would be, um, unless God uh, healed, would be um, life-ending. And his time here would be very short. And one of the greatest treasures I had was holding that little baby and baby that lived all of his life for the glory of God. But, but they would worship near me in service. And there was something beautiful that would happen because I knew like all the things they were facing. And I knew as that day was drawing near and I would watch them. And as the band would sing, right, their hands would lift toward heaven and they would praise Jesus. And there was this reminder that they were holding fast to their faith, that they were holding fast to this hope that we have in Christ. And it wasn't wavering. See, there's something beautiful about when we come together in corporate worship. Worship is not about us. We're going to talk about that a little more today. But when we come together in corporate worship and we worship with others and we see how God is working in the midst of that, there were moments this year where after I'd seen Don Trammell walk through so many things that she left her seat and came uh, to an altar uh, and, and, and was in struggling to be able to do that in those moments, right? But in obedience to Christ and she's praising God. And when we're seeing people and we're walking through those things together, it's incredible what it does to us. And he says, listen, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, not because we're faithful, but because he who promised is faithful because of what Jesus has done, because of who Jesus is. He is seated at the right hand of the father. And by the way, in the book, of Colossians, the scripture says that we are seated with him. And there's coming a day that, that we're going to be with him positionally in those places, right? And we come with bold assurance and we come, we hold on, right? With everything that we have, we hold on to that confession of our faith, but we recognize that in the midst of these moments when we're weary, in the midst of these moments where life is difficult, in the midst of all those moments that we come and, and we're not wavering and it's not because we're faithful, but it's because he's faithful. He's been faithful since the beginning. And what we see is an unfaithful people, but a faithful God who is pursuing them and providing a way for them to be in relationship with him, a new and living way, a living hope. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no one who comes to the Father except through me. Even when the storm comes, even when the difficult times come, we hold on, but we know that we are being held by him. Look at verse 24. He says, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. All right, so here we are gathered as the body of Christ. This morning we are gathered as his church. And he says, okay, let us hold on, right? We're going to hold fast this confession of our faith, but we are also going to hold up. And when we think about holding up, we are holding up one another. We are holding each other up. See, the, the passage here, he says, let us consider others. And he's talking about our worship to God. He's talking about this access that we have to the very throne room of heaven. And he said, let us consider others. How can I make a difference? How can I stimulate others to love and good deeds? How can I encourage people that I am beside, right? When we think about coming to church, we should be thinking like, like so many times we're thinking about us. We're thinking about, hey, I hope they sing a song I like. I hope it's something that I do. And I hope the preacher tells something funny. And I hope we don't talk too long because we got lunch to get to. And I hope all those things happen. We, we think about all those things. And so many times worship is all about us. But I want you to understand that worship is all about him. And when we come into the midst of his presence, he says, I want you to be focused on 
your worship to me. And I want you to consider how you can spur one another along, how you can encourage those that are around you, how you can say, you know what, I'm going to get to church 15 minutes early and I'm going to walk around and I'm going to talk to people and I'm going to find out those who are walking through tough times and difficult moments. And I'm going to consider how I could be an encourager to them, how I could be a Barnabas in their life. Could you imagine, you know, what would Paul's life have been like if there hadn't been a Barnabas? What would it have been like when Paul said, hey, I'm going to go to Jerusalem? And they said, hey, this guy ain't getting in here with none of us because he's crazy and he's just coming to persecute. And Barnabas says, no, 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 he, he's getting it. He's experienced Jesus. And then Paul, he's going on a, a missionary journey, right? And Mark's with him. And then there's John Mark, and there's these problems that they're having. And all of a sudden, there's this separation. They're like, hey, we're going one direction, we're going another. Barnabas goes with him. And then later, at the end of Paul's life, he says, you want to do something that'd be an incredible blessing to me? I need him to come. I need John Mark to come and minister to me in those moments. And guess who he'd been hanging around with? He'd been hanging around with Barnabas. And Barnabas had been encouraging him. And we don't know everything that had gone on in the midst of those lives. But what we see is that God has called all of us to be encouraging one another along. Who are you encouraging? Who are you building up? Who are you breathing into? Because so many times, right, we can be self-focused in our worship. We can get in those kind of things. But every believer in this room, when we gather, your responsibility is to be a breath of fresh air to somebody else. Your responsibility is to be for other people. Come early. Stay late. Encourage people along. Serve one another in love. We read in these verses, right, we, we have this confession of our faith, right? We have this, this holding fast to this hope. And then we're to stimulate one another in love, right? Faith, hope, and love. All connected right here. Full assurance of faith. And then he says in verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now here's this thing, right? We, we talked just a little bit earlier, but worship, our selfish nature, it can cause us to even turn something that should be as pure in worshiping our great God. It can cause us to think about worship and to think about ourselves instead of our great God. And I'm concerned as a whole, you know, that the reality is that we've been given incredible tools. I love our digital ministry. I love our online ministry. I love the fact that when I was away uh, with my bride that I was able to pull up church and I was able to worship uh, and I was able to be part of what uh, was going on here that morning. But I'm convinced that there are people that have found a comfort in Bedside Baptist or the couch of the living God uh, and they've decided that, hey, you know what? I can get just as much out of it. Fact is, uh, I, I can actually get more sometimes because if I turn on the TV, there's a lot better preacher than the one at Cowie that I can find on those kind of things. And I can listen to those things and I can be walking uh, in those things. And, and I want to tell you that, that if we're choosing not to gather out of convenience, then we have missed the whole picture of what God has designed worship to be. We've become focused on ourselves instead of focused on him and focused on this call for others, right? We, we're hurting ourselves, and we're hurting others. And Satan would love to convince us. Satan would love to convince all of us that we don't need to gather, that you can replace the gathering of the church with a screen. And I want to tell you, it's a tool. Use it. Allow it to be something that grow, grows you in Christ. I love podcasts. I love YouTube. I listen to better preachers than me uh, when I get an opportunity to do those kind of things. God has given us access to the gifting of great communicators. We love the fact that our homebound can stay connected. Clark makes a DVD every week to send to those that can't use 
use the other pieces of technology because it allows us to stay connected. And we love that and we understand that. And, and there's a place for all that. But here's what I want you to understand. Supplements to, co- to, to our corporate worship. Supplements, the things that we can add to that cannot become substitutes for the corporate worship of the gathered body of Christ because your fellowship with God must never be self-centered. Proverbs 18 says this, whoever isolates himself seeks his own. He breaks out against all sound judgment. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 24 says, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Philippians 2, 4, right? We looked at that last week. An incredible passage. He says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. He says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some. And I believe that that it's become a habit of so much of our culture. It has become such a common thing. But but here's the thing. We need to be present and accounted for, right? We need to be people who are saying, you know what? I'm part of the body of Christ. And God has somebody here this morning that every one of us can breathe into. God has somebody here this morning that we can encourage. God has somebody here that we can encourage all week, that that we can be uh, like to, that we can encourage and point them to Christ. There's people that we can spur along toward good works. There's those kind of relationships. And he says this, he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as, as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. As we see uh, all of the things that are happening all around us. I love what Martin Luther said uh, about his calendar. He, he said, there's only two days on my calendar. And I love the way he said that. He said, there's this day and there's that day. And we look ahead to that day and we know and we hold fast to our hope because we know that that day is coming and we look toward that day and we're expectant of that day. And until that day, we're going to live in this day. And in this day, God has called us to be encouragement to one another. God has called us to spur one another along in worship. God has called us to come here. I remind you that when the band sings, they, we are not, uh, they're not the performers that we are supposed to be uh, watching and somehow There's an audience of one. And when they sing, they sing and remind us of the greatness and the majesty of our Savior and the greatness of our God. And they remind us every week of how great our God is and how good he's been to us and how faithful he is. And when I look at my life that week and I'm reminded that, oh God, I'm unfaithful, that, oh God, I need to be up early and in your word. And I've been given access to the very throne room of heaven and I recognize how unfaithful I am. But that my unfaithfulness has not changed the access that I've been given to the very throne room of heaven because he is good. And when I come with a repentant and clear heart, he he loves me and welcomes me into his presence because of the work of Christ. And so we encourage one another. We worship with everything in us. And we remind one another. We spur one another along. We are constantly declaring the greatness of our God. You know, our Honduras team this morning, I can only imagine the worship that they've experienced. And one of my favorite moments in Honduras this summer, there was a, a young man that was preaching that morning and he shared a story and he said it something like this. He said there was a little boy in Honduras and he was a, a young little lad and he was walking with his dad and he looked up in the sky and when he looked up in the sky, he, he saw this airplane that was flying in, this big jet that was bringing people in. And he said he looked up and he saw that jet and he looked looked up and he said, Papa, look, he's so small. He said, his dad looked at him and he said, no, son. He said, that's, that plane's huge. He said, that's a, that's a huge plane. The little boy looked and he said, 
No, Papa. He said, it's so small. And the dad said, well, I know how to kind of help this. And so in the following days, he took the little boy and they drove down to the airport and he got out with his son and they walked out and got right beside one of those big jets that were sitting there. And the little boy was right there and the dad looked down at his son and he said, son, he said, look. He said, do you remember that? Remember that plane that you saw in the air the other day? He said, look at it. The little boy looked and he said, that's like the plane that I saw the other day? And he said, yeah. The little boy looked at him and he said, oh, Papa. He said, it's so big and it's so beautiful and so amazing. And it's like that with our God. When we come together and worship and we draw near to the very throne of heaven. James said, you draw near to God and I will draw near to you and the closer we get the bigger he is and the smaller the things of this world seem the smaller the, 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 the struggles and the trials the, the, the smaller all of our burdens the smaller of all those things in light of his glory the smaller we are in light of him and we come together in worship and every week we should leave with such a high view of our savior that we go out Encouraging one another and spurring one another along, recognizing that we have been in the very presence of God. And recognizing that He doesn't just dwell in a church. Fact is, this is just a building. But that we gather as the church and continually, day by day, we go into the very presence of God. And like Moses, when he would go in and he would come out and they would see his face glowing from being in the presence of God. We go in and we meet with God and then we go into our workplaces and we go in uh, to, to our schools and we go in to our families and there's an evidence around, there's, a, there's an aura around, there's a, there's a sense that they know, right? Not, a, not any kind of weird, there's a, you can just tell that these people have been with Jesus. Draw near to him. Live out of an overflow of time with the Father. And may we declare to this world how great and how awesome and how majestic and amazing our God is. Hold fast to your hope. Nothing wavering. Trust in him. Spur one another along and draw near to him. You've been given access. May we never take it for granted.